0: But I was able to say to her recently, I live in the solution now. Then mm-hmm. she went, mm-hmm. wow. And it just changed the course of the conversation. I said, I really am interested in just living in the solution, and my life is about solutions and not the problem.
1: Welcome to Episode 53 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Diane and Becky. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Diane and Becky, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Are you wondering whether you've had a spiritual awakening or even what a spiritual awakening might be? How can you practice these principles in all your affairs and what are these principles anyway? Are you not sure how to carry the message? will stick around because today we're going to talk about Step 12, which states, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of Step 12. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them, take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Linda. How are you doing today, Linda?
0: Great. Thanks, Spencer.
1: Thank you for being here. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, Step 12. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break i want to start with a reading. This is from the book Paths to Recovery, which is an Al-Anon workbook for the 12 steps. And um, this is a first paragraph of the uh, reading in that book about Step 12. It can be said that the entire Al-Anon program is summed up in Step 12. We acknowledge the results of our efforts, a spiritual awakening, commit ourselves to sharing the gifts we have received, and recognize that living a spiritual life is an ongoing process. We have found a new way of life in Al-Anon, and to keep what we have found, we have to continue appreciating the gift and giving it away. The three parts of Step 12 raise the following questions. What is a spiritual awakening? How can we try to carry this message? What are these principles that we practice in all our affairs? So let's, uh, let's start the discussion here, and uh, you know I'm going to put you on the spot here, Linda, and I'm going to ask you, so do you believe that you've had a spiritual awakening?
0: Yes, I know I have.
1: You know, you have what? What did that mean to you, or what did that feel like, or how did you recognize it?
0: It's a great question. Um, it began with um, acting as if, mm-hmm. and uh, I am remembering committing myself to reciting the uh, removal of resentment prayer. Have you ever heard of that?
1: I have not heard that prayer.
0: <laughs> it's a prayer that I think comes from the the Big Blue Book of AA. And uh, my last sponsor, um, when I lived in California, <laughs> shared that uh, prayer with me, and, and it basically states, if you have really deep, deep resentments that don't seem to go away, try this prayer. And it says, God, X, like me, is a spiritually sick person. Please grant me the compassion and kindness and so on. And I don't remember the prayer exactly, but and help me help remove this deep-seated resentment from me. And um I would kneel and say the prayer every single day. And the way it's instructed is you just say it until you some some eventually you notice the resentment's gone. And that happened for me. I had three people or four people on that list. And, um, I just did what I was told. And eventually I checked in with myself and I noticed I had no more resentment. And we're talking decades of resentment, right? Wow. Uh, one had been removed and then another. That was the very beginning. And then there were other things that I could share.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But that,
0: that emboldened my, that definitely strengthened and gave me a sense of faith.
1: Wow. Um, you know, I, I, when I, read these steps when I was new in the program and I looked at the twelve steps and it said having had a spiritual awakening and and somewhere I read, I think, or maybe I heard in a talk, uh, somebody said, you know, there's only one promise in the twelve steps, and that promise is that we will have a spiritual awakening. Because if you if you look at the wording there it says having had a spiritual awakening. It doesn't say maybe we had a spiritual awakening. It says we had one as a result of following those steps. And and I thought, well, okay, we'll see. <laughs> the interesting thing is that when I look back, there were there were small things that were awakenings, uh, but I didn't see them as they were happening. I had to actually stop and look back. And and I did that, really, the first time I did that was when uh, I was in a, an AWOL group, as we call it, uh, it stands for a way of life, and we were studying the steps together. And we got to step 12 and we were using this book, Paths to Recovery. And each chapter in the book, you know, is about a particular step or tradition or concept. And, and then there are questions at the end to help you work through what that, that step or tradition means and to come to understand it and to use it in your life. And the first question under working step 12 says, have I experienced a spiritual awakening? Describe. Good essay question, right? <laughs> And I was like, well, have I? And so what I did was I said, well, what is my life like now compared to what it was two years ago at the time I entered the program? And I realized that it was very different, that I lived my life very differently. I interacted with people differently. I dealt with troubles I dealt with frustrations, I dealt with resentments and anger very differently, and I said, Yes, there has been a spiritual awakening here, but it was so gradual that I didn't notice that I was waking up um and you know I have had since then no actually there there was there was there was one in the middle there but i didn't i didn't wasn't able to put that word on it that 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 term on it when it happened that which was the the moment when I was able to um, look at uh, my loved one who was struggling in her addiction and see the person inside the addiction, the person inside the disease, separately from the disease, and that that was sort of an instantaneous thing that happened one one night. I just I wasn't expecting it, I wasn't trying for it; it just happened. And looking back, I can say yes, that was that was an awakening because. I, that was, you know, opening basically opening my eyes to see in a different way. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what you said. You had I, some others Do you want to talk about? Yeah, some of moments your
0: like that that I will call expansive. There were moments of opening or expanding to see something that I had never seen before. Hmm. Um, mostly in my thinking mm-hmm. or in my awareness. That's mm-hmm. what started to happen for me with some regularity. Um, I, I think if we've all if we work steps two and three, steps two and three, we kind of have started a spiritual awakening there we're really turning over, turning things over to, to anything outside our heads.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. starting
0: to have a spiritual True. awakening. And so, um, I had really begun to turn things over. I had some serious problems in my life, of course. And I would say, take this God, take this God. I, I can't handle this one. You take a God. And, um, often a problem that I'd been struggling with and trying to figure out from many, many angles. You know, once I'd finally turned it over, I'd be walking down the street and suddenly, just out of nowhere, while looking at leaves, this absolute perfect solution floats in my head. And it's like, how come I couldn't think of that? How come I couldn't think of that? And I considered that a spiritual moment. I consider my spiritual awakening this tapping into a higher self or intuition. I believe for myself, it's the place where all the good stuff comes from in the world, in all of us, and call that godliness or God. And um, those moments of inspiration were my spiritual awakening, and they kept coming. And I that they started to build on themselves cuz I would have faith like oh if I really turn things over and let go of this gnarly thing that I'm chewing on um something miraculous might happen like that and it did start to happen and it does when I started to remember to do it yeah takes a while <laughs> that's
1: the thing that is the thing yeah and i've i guess i well it, the there were two meetings i went to in the last week that focused on step 12 and so I've had some time to opportunity to to think about it and reflect on step twelve and and for me in actually in both of those, I think I, I was talking about the concept of of awakening uh, because that for me is the most difficult part of step twelve to really comprehend uh to own and I recalled this story that's told about the Buddha that he um, had his moment of enlightenment sitting under, and I can never remember what kind of tree it was. And and in the morning, um, after he had become enlightened, he...
0: I think it's a Bodhi was, tree.
1: A bodhi tree, yes. Because there's a Bodhi tree bookstore, yeah. I remember. Okay. okay. Yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, and so in the morning, he's he's walking down the road, and, and a, a person is coming towards him and recognizes that there is something different about this person is walking towards him and and he says this man says to the buddha he says are you are you a magician and the buddha says uh, no and the man says are you a god and the buddha says no and the man says well what are you and the buddha says i am awake and i have heard this description of the the goal of enlightenment as as becoming completely awake fully awake and this is a process that I think th- us uh, those of us who are ordinary human beings could never complete that we can become more and more awake we can comp- become more and more aware and connected to what is going on around us and and for me that's one of the the goals of meditation is to become more connected to what is here and now rather than what's all the things in my head about the past and the future that are that are blocking me from from what's here and now but I'm never going to achieve full enlightenment. I, I'm pretty, pretty sure about that. <laughs> and, uh, so I will always be awakening. I will always find, find more awakening. And I will also take little spiritual naps every now and then and kind of forget those things that I, I knew. <laughs>
0: I think it's kind of like um, awakening is like a dimmer switch going up. And recovery is actually a dimmer switch going up and just becoming aware. We're saying awake, but also just clearing the fog out of our heads and the bad thinking and the sick thinking. And so we're not perfect human beings at the end of working 12 steps. But I think if we've actually worked all 12 steps and we're committed to continuing to do that, then... We are awake, and we have yeah. we've had an experience by working twelve steps. Maybe not an aha thing, but this yeah. gradual awakening uh, to better clarity, better understanding, better ability to work with people in the world. Whatever it is, um, that's an awakening, and that is the 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 thing where we can share with the world after we've experienced it. If we're committed to, yeah. and, and I'm just
1: going to relate one one other that that happened in the last year, which is that I have. I still have to some extent, but for a long time I had a sort of a really almost pathological paralyzing fear of, um, you know, running out of money in the bank account. And which came to the – it expressed itself in a number of ways, but mostly in that I would not look at the bank balance. I would just hope it was going to be okay. I would go to the ATM and get money out and push the button. This is no receipt. Poof and and uh and then eventually um because my <laughs> wife had set up the account to to text our phones when the balance fell below a certain level, eventually I would get that text message, and then I would freak out but and I knew that this was not a good way to live I knew this this was not helping me keep track of uh you know my finances, this was not helping me spend wisely uh but i couldn't I just couldn't get past it, I couldn't get past it and this within the last year, um, really came to accept the fear and was able to ask my higher power to remove it. And I went into the bank and I think I was making a deposit and I got the receipt from the teller and I looked at it and I wasn't scared and I wasn't freaking out and it was okay. And
0: the balance was okay or you were just i okay? was okay, okay. <laughs>
1: i was okay yeah. and that was you know again there was an awakening there that and not only the but the awakening was that hey wow this like sixth and seventh step thing actually works you know mm-hmm. because i've it took me a yep. long time to come to a god concept um You know, you said if you've actually really worked steps two and three. Well, it took me a long time to really work steps two and three. I kind of faked it for a long time.
0: My first eight years in program, I did not have, in my opinion, I didn't have spirituality, really. It helped me enormously, and I worked all the steps. And then I left program for seven years. But now that I'm back, I uh, totally found spirituality, and I came in looking for it. So you can yeah. work the program and not have that that stuff. You can.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh and so there was an a, an awakening of of sort of the power of the program. Yes. For me. Um that that it actually I had this thing removed from me that that I had been struggling with for years. Yeah. And and it had been getting worse and worse and worse, you know? Well, you see
0: that that's higher power.
1: It that is absolutely higher power. It's a, it's, and, and that's why there was an awakening. The program the is higher power. It's yeah. something
0: other than you. So Yeah, that's, it is something yeah, other than me. That is a spiritual awakening. Um,
1: yeah. So uh yeah, so let's move on in in the uh in the step. It talks about um, practicing these principles in all our affairs. I guess that's actually the third part of the the step, but um I like to take that second and and the first question is what are you know what do you do understand to to me what it means when it says these principles because there's a lot of stuff we talk about in meetings and and maybe there are all these principles um you know i think we all maybe interpret it uh in our own way
0: well the uh one that comes to mind immediately for me is principles place principles above personalities i try to rem- remember that in all my dealings with people it simplifies things <laughs> You know, it's mm. a core value in the mm-hmm. program and mm-hmm. it's just a wonderful value to live by mm. that we don't let our personal emotional reactions or baggage, we try to stay aware of, uh, um, you know, where we end, where the hula hoop ends here and, uh, not get all triggered by the personality in front. You know, I try not to get triggered by the personality in front of me, but stick to the principle at hand, which is what, what are we trying to accomplish or what do I want or need?
1: yeah i think also for me i mean that's that's really important um to not get not get cut up with personalities because which is one of the traditions 12th tradition right principles mm-hmm. over personalities or um but but also there are the tools of the program that that i that help me <laughs> to to practice principles over personalities and also i th- i really feel like the the steps are a guide to you know, living a recovered life that I can take the steps and I can apply them in all different parts of my life. Um, whether it's, you know, turning my will in my life over to my higher power so that I maybe don't get into places where I then need mm-hmm. to make amends. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or when I, when I do misstep, um, uh, being able to use, and I use steps one through nine. I can, you know, sometimes I can go through it pretty quickly. Sometimes it takes longer to to work through something that happened that I feel like wasn't so good. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, first I have to admit that it happened. Mm-hmm. I'm powerless over the fact that it happened, which is step one. I have to understand that I have a higher power who can help me. I have to allow my higher power to help me. Um, I can then take some time to see what, what was in me that led to whatever happened? You know, what motivations was I working from? What old tapes was I playing? Whatever it might be. So that's an inventory. I might need to share it with somebody else. For me, sharing it with somebody else really helps me to own it, to understand that, mm-hmm. you know, to not be able to sort of brush it under the rug. Um, and then I can, I can ask for help. Yeah. Step six and seven. Uh, if necessary, I can make amends. And, uh, and sometimes that 's a very compressed process, and sometimes I have to work that out over you know several days or longer, depending on on what happened and so uh, using those in all aspects of my life really helps me to to live a better life yeah um,
0: i've certainly had friends uh, say, "Wow, you know you 've changed you yeah. know when I first came into program and and constantly um they are struck it's a whip ripple effect as we use those tools to sort through issues and come to them with clarity and simplicity and people aren't used to it they aren't used to not being around dysfunction sometimes <laughs> yeah, so it takes me a little while of my own dysfunction before i realize i need to get to a me- get to a meeting or remember the the steps and to solve a problem um isn't that the case but uh but then i do have that to go to and i do and that's practicing the principles in all my affairs, is going back to the steps, as you said, or the tools, reasoning things out with someone else in program, Yeah, my sponsor usually, um, or any dear person in the program that we trust. It really helps. That's practicing the principles. It's practicing the program. And I find if not practicing it and not being committed to it, it all slides back to... Hell in a handbasket,
1: doesn't, right? doesn't it? Though, <laughs> you know, I I, I like uh, the expression that I've heard around the rooms that practice makes progress. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm. Um,
1: I think we I think we rolled that one out when we talked about uh, progress, not perfection, a few months ago. But uh, you know, because because the you know the slogan practice makes perfect, but of course we know we're not perfect. But but practicing practicing for me practicing these principles, practicing using the steps or the the slogans or whatever it might be. Um, really helps me to do that more easily next time.
0: I would say that these principles really refers to any and all the wisdom of program that we absorb from meetings, from the experience, strength, and hope of other people. Anything we can share that gives hope and access to others, I guess I'm going into the next part of the
2: discussion okay. really about how, okay. what we
0: bring to other people. What are the principles we bring? Just that wisdom that's been that was a lifesaver
2: mm-hmm. for
0: me. Whatever was a lifesaver for me, I can share with someone else, or even just tiny thoughts, you know, or observations that somebody um, came in to meetings a wreck. Their life looked like this, and now their life looks like this. And being able to share that with mm-hmm. somebody. Mm-hmm. It can just make people sit, just bolt upright. It's marvelous. So that—that's um, practicing the principles and carrying the message. In my opinion, is part of it.
1: Yeah. Um, before we before we move on, I want to uh, note that uh, Beth, who is in our our chat room by herself, sorry about that, Beth, uh, said uh, that she feels like she's awake when she can live a deliberate life. And, Mm, uh, you know, that for me connects back to the whole um, deliberate, deliberate, intentional. um, Those are things that I strive for uh, to to do things not unconsciously, Mm -hmm. which, hey, unconscious is not awake, isn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. works. Uh, There are things that I do on autopilot and that I do that are, you know, sort of old programs that I've always done. And then somebody might say, Spencer, what are you doing? why did you do that? You know, I had a friend call me on something recently that, that I did and, uh, said that, you know, that doesn't look like the Spencer that I know. And I was like, yeah, I think I was playing an old tape. Hmm. I was going back to an old place of, uh, social insecurity and, and sort of acting out to, <laughs> to feel whatever, you know, <laughs> to be noticed, uh, whatever it might be. And, uh, because I was not paying attention. I was not yep. being intentional. I was not being deliberate. So thanks for that thought, Beth. And, uh, how, okay. So, so yeah. So, how do we practice these principles? We kind of talked about that to some extent. Um, how, how do we practice principles, like, in the family? Um, and how do we talk about... So, family, I have, you know, the family I grew up in, um, I have the family I created by getting married and having children. Uh, and then, I guess, you know, I have my wife's family. And those are sort of three very different Families they have some similarities and and some significant differences in the family I grew up in i use I have used the principles of the program to sort of deprogram the behaviors that I learned as a child that um, you know no longer represent who I want to be um, the uh, or to and also to not get my buttons pushed by the behaviors of the other members of my family, particularly my parents that really bug me otherwise, Um, you know, and I can, I can say, well, they've been this way for 80 years. They're probably not going to change. Are they? (laughs) Um, I don't know. You want to reflect on, on how you use the, the principles. Well,
0: what's jumping to mind with family for me is when it's the family of origin, uh, my family of origin, it's just finally understanding that it's not all about me. <laughs> that, you know, in, in all areas of my life, finally understanding that it's not all about me. What someone thinks and feels and says doesn't really necessarily have anything to do with me. It's a very freeing, Realization and in my family of origin, of course, that made it possible to clear the way for healing and and new kinds of relationships with family members who you know at one time I could never talk to for a while, you know or resented or whatever um, um so yeah, you know, knowing that it's not all about me and that. Say my mother's emotional angst and chronic fears. are Really, her—it's her stuff, and I don't have to let it in. And I can be compassionate, and I can even be somewhat of a friend to somebody with their stuff. Just say, "Gosh, you're really afraid."
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: sorry, you're afraid. And and it's it's just really, it's really freeing to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, and and one thing that I've been um, really working on lately, the last year, um, and I'm going to have to be practicing intensely next week, is um, that, okay, Well, I've talked about this before, you know, my mother's health is failing. And I have fear around that. And that fear can cause me to become angry. You know, I don't know what I'm angry at. I'm I'm, I'm angry at being afraid, or the anger covers up the fear, so I don't have to feel the fear. And get annoyed at her when you know she doesn't remember something or she can't do something and and that's my fear of speaking and being in this program has has really helped me to recognize that, to understand where that's coming from, and so so to be able to put it aside, you know, not push it down but to to sort of feel the fear rather than the anger and then to be able to let go of it and give it over to god and when i can do that when i can do that well then i'm able to enjoy the time that i have left with her and i don't know i don't know what that is and i don't see them very often they live 400 miles away mm-hmm. my parents and so when i do get a few days um, You know, usually around a holiday or some special occasion, which adds its own stress to the situation. Of course, you know, last year they came for Christmas. They're coming again for Christmas this year, which just really amazes me. I didn't think she was in a state to travel, but that's you know her choice. And uh, and that you know, the program helps me to accept it as her choice. Mm -hmm. To not say, oh no, you can't do that. To say, well, you know, if that's if you if you feel like you can do it and it's important to you, then you know, come. Um, Mm -hmm. so last year at Christmas was when I first really saw the decline. Um, she had, she had declined really a lot physically since I had seen her in the summer and it freaked me out. I mean, it really freaked me out. And, and I came to meetings and I think, you know, it was one of the, one of the times that I cried in meetings, uh, was just, I didn't know how to, you know, this scared, scared me that, you know, the realization that, uh, she was going to die. Someday, I mean, obviously she's going to die someday, but all of a sudden this made it a lot more real, and I was really, really glad I had a program, I had a place I could go where I could um, express those feelings, understand that those feelings are real, um, and then use the tools that I've had, the tools that I used to, um, you know, allow me to continue to live with my loved one when she was still drinking. Um, you know, I can use those same tools in this situation.
0: Mm-hmm. You, you bring to mind. Right now, um, the sense of compassion that the steps, you know, brought me when dealing with anybody, you know, I I could have just judged people. You're talking about your mother. I'm thinking my mother. And um, I used to just judge and condemn people for behaving badly or expressing mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy stuff. I thought crazy. Mm-hmm. And now... I can eventually and sometimes really quickly see it as, um, through a lens of compassion and, and that, um, they're, they just could benefit from the program. (laughs) And, um, I can just be so much more, uh, functional and helpful in any dialogue with anybody if I, if I'm, you know, plugged in and centered and not getting all triggered by what they're saying. Um, one of the other things, I wanted to comment on Mm -hmm. the way I practice the principle, these principles in all my affairs with family and and, and anywhere is just having discovered the concept of a higher power, being whatever that is to me, just something beyond my brain
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and my power, um, having discovered that has meant that I've had to accept that other people have that too, working in their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard.
1: Um,
0: mm-hmm. uh, especially as a parent, really hard because, well, heck, we're God for a while there, right? Yes. We think, and yes. it gets all confused in there, but, um, to recognize when to let go and trust that things will work out possibly better than we thought or, Completely differently than what we feared. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's been a big concept for me, and with my kids, especially, let go and 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 let them find their own way with their own higher power. Oh my God.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and
0: you know what? It, it 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 actually works so much better than the other
1: way. It does.
0: At this age, late late teens, late adolescence, it probably always would
1: have been, but. Yeah. Well, I'm finding it it works in early twenties also. Um, that. Uh, um, you know, when my my son has made some decisions that I didn't agree with, I didn't feel were in his best interest, uh, that were healthy for him, I felt they were not healthy for him or whatever. And uh, that a couple of them come to mind, and I don't need to, to go into the details, but both times, um, you know, I was able to tell myself, he is at least theoretically an adult. Um, he's not living at home. He's not living under my supervision. And if this is his choice, um, its I don't believe this choice is going to lead to serious injury or death. If, if, if I thought it would, I might be a little more <laughs> emphatic. Um, and, and I was able to let him you know, follow his path. And in both of the cases that I'm thinking of, he eventually came to the realization that it was not the best choice for him to live that way.
0: Best way to learn a lesson.
1: I, I kind of feel it's the only way that kid mm-hmm. can learn anything. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of it in in his case is that I've never seen him do the same stupid thing twice. And and I use the word that's lucky. <laughs> I use the word stupid here, not necessarily meaning that it was stupid, but yeah, um, it, good for him. Yeah, yeah. That's so, not my story. And that gives me that gives me some. Well, there were some things that took more than one lesson to really sink in, for sure. Um, the uh, the second time, well, the yeah, maybe only the second time. The second the the time he took some mushrooms and ended up uh, with the police calling an ambulance and take to take, take him to the ER, um, so that he could basically, I think nice. they just let you know, laid him on a gurney so he could come down. Um, yeah, his friends, he freaked his friends out so much. They called the police. Yeah. Um, that was the, that was the time that fun times, that was the time that he decided that, that mushrooms maybe were not good for him. Um, and he told me then about an earlier instance where he had taken some with friends and, um, got to a, uh, basically into a state where he had no idea where he was or what he was doing or, Whatever, and you know, the second time I said, "So, what lesson do you take from this experience?" He said, "Well, me and mushrooms don't get along." I'm like, yeah. <laughs> "No kidding." Okay, <laughs> that's
0: one lesson. Yeah,
1: um, you know, so that one yeah. it took it. You know, the first one wasn't wasn't like a low enough bottom or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can laugh about it now. It was enough years ago that uh, you know the pain is gone.
0: Uh, Terrifying times.
1: And, you know, at the at the time of the second experience, he was um, 2,000 miles away. So I didn't even know about it until the bill from the ambulance company came in the mail. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I called him up. I said, uh, hey, is there something you want to tell me uh, about this uh, ambulance ride? Uh, he says, oh, I was hoping you wouldn't find out about that.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. But,
1: anyway, um Yeah. So, I, I mean, mm. these experiences give me faith that he does actually learn and that and it, that helps me to let go. Right. But like, I, didn't, I,
0: we, didn't we learn? It's sort of like forgetting. We we are here oh alive God. today, and it wasn't. Certainly were, my parents <sighs> weren't looking out for me most of the time.
1: I think about some of the things I did as a exactly. young person. Oh, my God.
0: And we made it, sort of, we did. right? Here we are yeah. anyway.
1: <laughs> so um, letting go. Letting go is a big one here. Um, letting people find their own. Their own path is is important. Um, we'll with talk about, friends, yeah, with friends, that's big. How do you do? What, what what what? In what ways do you use the principles with your friends?
0: Are we um, discussing this as the message that we bring to people? Either way, and, you know,
1: I mean, we can talk about carrying the message. You know, hard sell,
0: of, or you know, are we yeah. are we Bible thumping or something? I'm not. So what? How I I do offer to people. When you know, people come to me, friends who wanna lament something or mm-hmm, go on mm-hmm, about their mm-hmm, terrible mm-hmm, marriage. Mm-hmm. One I've known for um twenty years now has been saying the same thing. <sighs> forever. I brought her down on but but and um but at some point, you know, I share what I what I mm-hmm have learned. Mm -hmm. But I also will just subtly say, this is what I've learned and and I go to Al-Anon because I find that I needed help with this, this, and this. And and I can kind of give people another way to look at their problem um because of what I've discovered in program. And I will mention Al Anon, but I will never actually start saying very rarely will I say you really need to come to Al Anon. You really are you coming to Al Anon. I, I don't. Um it's uh program of attraction, right? So I will mention that, um, but I will definitely carry the wisdom to people and they can take what they want from it. It's just how can I converse any other way now? I either shut up and uh, sit there and say, oh my, oh my, or I share and that's probably going to have some program perspective.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Definitely true. Um, You know, I, I think I'm, Maybe a little, even a little less overt than you are. Sometimes, Um, I I have for a long time. I just I I really didn't talk about it outside of family and program people. Um, And I mean, there were some times when when I was joining intentionally joining a small group that was, uh, for example, at church that we were going to be working together uh, exploring topics over the over a period of months and and. At the beginning, I said, you know, I'm in Al-Anon and that has helped me, um, you know, brought me to, to a, a more spiritual life or something like that, I don't remember. And and one of the people in the group said, what's Al-Anon? I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, I said, well, it's a, it's a 12-step program for people whose lives have been affected by somebody else's drinking. And that was sufficient.
2: Uh,
1: mm-hmm. I have, I mean, most of the time I just feel it's not relevant, whether I'm in a program or whatever. Um, I do That's remember true. having a conversation with, with somebody at work where we had, we had had some communication issues, uh, issues. Um, you know, I kind of yelled at her and she kind of yelled at me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and we sat down, we, we actually left the office and went out to get coffee to talk about why is it that we're having trouble communicating and what can we do better. Um, and at the end of that conversation, I, I mentioned that I was in a 12-step program and that it really helped me with a lot of my issues around, you know, sort of accepting what other people had as different from mine and okay, um, or whatever. I don't remember exactly what I said, you know. And and so I find there are contexts where maybe it's relevant to say that. Um, and But mostly, uh, so how, you know, where do I carry the message? I mean, mostly I carry the message within the program. I mean, we talk also about carrying the message by living our life differently.
0: Yeah. As an example.
1: Um, and, mm-hmm. uh,
0: um, I I want to yes. m- mention boundaries. Oh, just the whole concept of boundaries, boundaries, uh, is one way that I'm practicing principles in every aspect of my life. And it is so helpful. I think in the world for people to have good boundaries mm. and maybe they learn from watching, um, I know I've offended many people by having clear boundaries because they take it as a personal slight if I don't jump on the volunteer bandwagon because they're excited about something. Mm-hmm. Um I I have a tough time. I have a really tough time with some boundaries like that when I know people don't get it. And um and yet there's no other way for me. I'm just not I'm not jumping on bandwagons anymore just to get approval or whatever. Right. Um and and just boundaries at work, you know, in with someone's anything sharing inappropriately, just having an awareness of where it could start to muck up my life, um, having a clear sense of boundaries has certainly saved my my behind many times, <laughs> and it's helped me raising children, it's helped me um, live a deliberate life, as mm. Beth said. Yes um, that's how it helps me a lot.
1: Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought up boundaries boundaries at work in particular because I was I I have this need, shall we say, to do everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if somebody is having a problem, well, I know how to fix it. And there were times when I would totally drop the things I was supposed to be working on to fix somebody else's problem. And you know the program, through the program, I learned to know this is my stuff, this is not my stuff, and to you know not pick up somebody else's stuff and there's two benefits, at least two benefits there, right One is I get my stuff done because I'm not doing your stuff uh, the other is of course, that I don't maybe piss you off by taking over your stuff mm-hmm. um, and there <sighs> There have been many times when I've, you know, injected myself into a conversation about something that I was sure I knew what the people helping. were talking about, and oh, yeah. and of course they weren't, or you know they were talking about something completely different. I mean, not completely different, but not what I thought they were. And I'm like, oh, jeez. Uh, or yeah, I'm helping, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm just getting in the way sometimes. Um, so learning learning how to just do my stuff and not other people's stuff has been very important. And you know that's something I can practice, and it's something that. Maybe people around me can see that practice and and sort of get that you know I can say, well, you know that's really not my my problem to solve
0: yeah, mm. um actually that's a key concept here is that we are not in control, and to stop behaviors that are attempting to control situations sometimes helping people is our attempt to control something yeah, yeah. that's worrying us right um, just manipulative. Comments can be an attempt to control. So, you know, um, part of, you know, the spiritual awakening for me has been to uh, take care of my own crud, you know, Um, and watch out for what I'm spreading around that isn't helpful either. Yeah. And certainly um, stop manipulating and trying to control. That's a subtle beast to control, but but it can be done.
1: Yeah. So, so... More, how about some more sort of overt, explicit ways in which, um, we carry the program, the message of the program to others. And I'll just sort of list out a few yeah. that I've done. I mean, I share in meetings. Um, I'm a sponsor. Um, there was a period of time for a few years when, um, I was giving an open talk about every three months at a local treatment center. Um, and, uh, you know, those are some, some very clear ways of carrying the message. Um, Forward, um, and the dog is whining again. So, I'm going to let him out of the room and let you um, talk about how you um, maybe ways in which you've carried the message more directly, maybe within the program.
0: Um, Certainly, by sharing at meetings, even when I don't know where I fit in that meeting, I'm not jiving, I don't know what I'm going to get out of the meeting, you know, when I'm coming in, if I have a bad attitude suddenly it's really clear that just sharing my experience can be so helpful. And I forget that the act of me giving and sharing what I've learned is actually giving me more than I anticipated. You know, I walk in thinking, what am I going to get out of this? But then by carrying the message to the program, I get so much more by sharing, by remembering that there might be a newcomer at a meeting who could really value something I say. Um that'll that'll get me to show up sometimes if i'm getting lazy about a meeting um so i carry the message by remembering there are newcomers that there's always somebody who could benefit from from my story and also being a sponsor has really been probably the richest way mm-hmm. of um both working the program giving it and receiving it it's been a wonderful thing um carry the message to uh, to family and friends. I've talked about practicing principles with them. But, yeah, I just uh, live by example, mostly with family and friends.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know that I have, both my wife and I have talked about, um, you know, program principles to our children, and neither of them uh, has really, neither of them has decided that, that they need what the program has to give at this point in their life. You know, sometimes that's hard for me to accept. <laughs> it uh, you know, I really feel like I mean I feel like I see behaviors in them that would be helped by um you know coming to this program. And I have to turn that over to my higher power and and hope that they will find a path through their difficulties, which might mm-hmm. be the program and it might not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have been their lives have been deeply affected by their mother's drinking, and there's no question about that. Um, and they're, you know, they're they're dealing with the issues in their own way.
0: You know, actually, with my children, um, I do discuss the program openly. I've brought them both. I tried one of them in Alateen, um, and then both of them have come with me to Al-Anon and ACOA. And I just slip in things I've learned. It's sort of like getting educated about alcoholism as one of the things we have to do in Al-Anon. And what I've learned about alcoholism and addiction, I've been able to share with them about their father, just to help them understand why things have been the way they've been.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, or even the way I've behaved in the past and what patterns they've watched me go through and maybe suffered by, I, I give them some context and I think they really crave that. They crave some understanding of why people are, you know, why is dad really, really grouchy? He's really, oh, dad's really nice when he's high, but he's really grouchy when he's not. Okay, they're getting it. Um, it's not about them. And um, so I do speak about the program and I've left literature around and then, um, you know, gave, someone told me about a marijuana anonymous meeting that I just happened to mention to my daughter, who is struggling with marijuana, and she actually went on her own a few times. And she has a little flyer in her room, and she knows it's there. And she's sober right now, but um, who knows mm. how that's going to go? But yeah, if I I believe that my um, education in the in this has benefited them,
1: and I think that's true. And and um, you know, my kids were eleven. When I came into the program, and somewhere in the year following there, I thought, you know, they should go to Alateen, and I actually bribed them mm-hmm. to go to Alateen. I said, sure. you know, if you go to a meeting, I'll give you, I'll give you five dollars for each meeting. I did to. that
0: last year um, to on five bucks,
1: and <laughs> you know, five bucks when you're eleven—that's a lot of money, right? Uh, or 12, it. whatever they were. And they went to a couple of meetings and then they stopped going. It was like, was not sufficient motivation. And, you know, they, they, they weren't ready for it. And it's, and, and it's, it's hard. You know, I really, I really would, would have wanted them to, to get the benefit of the program, but, you know, that's it. Um, I do sponsor people. Um, and I also, um, Act um, in in one of our meeting, one of the meetings that I go to regularly. There's a newcomers meeting where we welcome newcomers and talk about the program. I um, I, I do that sometimes, uh, and I offer to you know receive phone calls from people, and and sometimes people call me, and uh, you know with usually when they're in some kind of crisis, and uh, I try to share what I have, um, and. Always that helps me as well, I mean that's the thing, and i like I really liked what you had to say about about going to a meeting and sharing and and that just knowing that maybe what you have to say might touch somebody else, how that also um, helps you and and I certainly find that to be true whether uh, and I have had the experience of of talking in a meeting and having somebody come up afterwards and say, "Wow, thank you for saying that and and that's mm-hmm. wonderful, of course, mm-hmm. makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. But um, even if that doesn't happen, it's still, I always try to, it's it's coming out a little wrong. I don't, I mean, sometimes I consciously try to say things that I think might be helpful to other people, maybe in response to something somebody said, I might share my own experience around a similar thing, um, but also, and this is something that my, my first sponsor told me uh, that... I think maybe the first time I did a lead in a meeting or something, um, said, just ask your higher power to help you to say what somebody else needs to hear. And so I try to just sort of keep that in mind when I'm going to share, um, just help me to say what somebody else needs to hear. And, and so often when I'm sharing, I don't end up saying what I was intending to say. I mean, I'm, I'm still talking about the same idea, but I might have been, I'm going to throw this example in and then I don't, but something else comes in. And I just figure that's because somebody else in a room needed to hear this other thing and did not need to hear what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I get done and I'm like, Oh man, I forgot to, and it's okay because, mm-hmm. um, if I really, I mean, meetings is one of the places where I feel the presence of my higher power most strongly that, that, and, and I have to believe that. I'm being guided to say what somebody needs to hear or what I need to say. And sometimes it's sometimes it's that sometimes it's, I need to hear myself saying it. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: um, I had a sponsee who said recently, she was complaining about a certain meeting that everyone was just whining and everybody, Oh my God, it was just a crank fest in there. And I said, well, you've got recovery. What you're seeing is that you've now got recovery. And you can be of great benefit to those people by sticking with that meeting. Even if it feels like a drag, I mean, or it felt like a drag, it probably wouldn't feel like a drag with this new purpose of just showing up and, um, and offering your experience, strength and hope. And sure enough, that sponsee kept going to that meeting and I see her with purpose approaching newcomers and just being there for people. And I'm just so happy and proud of her. Because she came in as one of the, you know,
1: I, upset folk. <laughs> I think that many of us, certainly, certainly, I did when I was new to the program. Um, as uh, as as a person said in a meeting recently, he said, "You know, it used to be if you asked me how I was, the first word out of my mouth was somebody else's name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how are you today? Well." <laughs> You know, my girlfriend yeah. did such and such. And so I'm feeling this way. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where I was when I came to the program. That was what I had to share was, um, you know,
0: someone else's activities. Yeah.
1: <laughs> my wife is drinking and it's driving me crazy in this way or whatever. Oh gosh. And what a but, load. But I do remember going to a meeting not very far into the program and sitting at what was de- denoted the barefoot table, uh, which I came to understand as barefoot is like you have bare feet. You're just sort of stepping in and, and there's no particular topic. Uh. Okay. Uh, I didn't know what it meant at the time. I've learned this later. The other table was doing, you know, step nine or something. I didn't want to. I was, I was two, three, four weeks into the program. There's no way I was going to go talk about step nine. I didn't really even know what step nine was, but I knew I didn't want to talk about it or hear about it. And so I sat down at the barefoot table and it was basically, it was a wine fest. Everybody talking about how horrible their week was or whatever. And I didn't have enough program to, you know, to stick that out. I didn't, I never went back. (laughs) And, And I said, if, and it wasn't a meeting that was at a convenient time for me. I was just, I was trying out meetings. And, and so I think if it had been a meeting that was, one that really fit into my schedule, I probably would have made more of an effort, but mm-hmm. maybe I would have sat at the other table. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, yeah. Um, and, you know, clearly one of the ways that I'm trying to carry the message these days is through this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it, 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 it really sort of amazes me. Uh, it awes me. Awe is a word here. Yes. It awes me that. When I put an episode of the podcast out, somewhere between 600 and 1,000 people are going to listen to it. Wow. And yeah, you know, picture a room with 1,000 people in it. I mean, that's like a big auditorium. Yeah. Um, And thank God they're not all sitting there looking at me. (laughs) I (laughs) would freeze up. (laughs) You know, I'm sitting here looking at you across the table, and that's comfortable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With bare feet. You have bare feet. And I have bare feet Um,
1: because I hate socks. Okay.
0: You know, step twelve empowers me um, in such a way that I I can now say, to I have said to my friend who has whined about her marriage for twenty years, not whined. She's had real.
1: She has know, problems. Issues. Yeah. yeah, she has
0: problems, but it, it ends up you know tiring to the listener. Yes, it does. But I was able to say to her recently, I live in the solution now. Then mm-hmm. she went, mm-hmm. wow. And it just changed the course of the conversation. I said, I really am interested in just living in the solution and my life is about solutions and not the problem. And uh, that kind of redirected her for a little while. Whatever, something to think about for other people. But I really believe I am now in a stage of uh, living in a solution. Living, I am more focused on solution than problem. And I'm more hope.
1: And that, that is and a faith. wonderful way to end this discussion. And I wanted to close with a little bit of a more, more of the reading from past recovery step 12. This is in one of the um, member shares in the same chapter. I did not intend to give so much of my time and energy to carrying the message. It just happened that way when I couldn't say no to program people who offered me a better way to live their enthusiasm and invitation led me toward this exciting, rewarding al way of life. Most of all, I wanted to receive and keep recovery. What I found was the joy of giving it away, the same way others so generously gave the gift of service to me, with love, respect, and compassion. I found all these treasures and more when I thought I was seeking much less. I call that my spiritual awakening.
0: That's beautiful.
1: It is. Somebody read that um, in our meeting on Saturday about Step 12, and I was like, oh my God, that is beautiful. I don't need to use that in the podcast episode. Um, so after a short break, we're going to continue uh, with the segment, Our Lives in Recovery, where we talk about um, what's going on in our lives and in our meetings. And Linda, you want to introduce the uh, song for the break?
0: All right. Let's listen to Shanaad O'Connor. O'Connor. Uh, let's listen to her sing, Feel So Different. She's talking about having had a spiritual awakening. Also, as a bonus, it starts out with the serenity prayer.
2: God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference.
1: this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings, and in our lives this week. And I'll I'll start. Um, I already, uh, of course, talked about a, a couple of meetings that I've had in the last week, a little bit more than a week, uh, that were both on step twelve. So uh, nothing really new to bring in there. Um, on On Sunday, I went to a meeting, and that that the tradition in that meeting is to open the table with a reading from one of the daily readers. And so one of the, one of the people at the table, uh, proposed the reading from, uh, One Day at a Time in Al Anon, which talked about basically it, what I heard from it was talking about sort of, um, getting into old behaviors and insecurities and sort of a way, you know, how the program helps us to, to, to not do that. And I looked. I had looked at the reading in Courage to Change for the same day, and it was about using our higher power, about step three, giving our will and our lives out to our higher power. And to me, those two readings just came together that sort of what I heard in the first reading from One Day at a Time was, here's the problem, which I could totally identify with, by the way. Mm-hmm. And what I saw in the Courage to Change reading was, and here's the answer, Which is to give my will and my life over to the care of my higher power. And that will help me to, you know, get through these, these things that I used to do so easily and so well, uh, well being a, you know, relative term here. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Um, so it was, it was a really interesting conjunction there. I don't think those two readers always complement each other so well. So, um, it led to some very, some very interesting sharings around the table as well as people reflected on sort of, one or the other or both about powerlessness about um help of higher power about you know it was it, it was really it was a good meeting and um and then um i went to a meeting last night and the uh, in this meeting somebody uh opens with a you know approximately 10 minute lead on a, on a topic of their choice and the uh, the topic that that he chose was powerlessness which, hey, always a good topic for me. Um, I'm powerless over so many things. um, And he talked about powerlessness in different aspects of his life, uh, powerlessness over the alcoholics in his life, powerlessness over all kinds of different things, powerlessness over all kinds of things, Uh, and about how uh, before he came into the program, he really thought that he should have power over everything and that everybody should do what he wanted them to do. And then that was his purpose in life was to get everybody else to do what he wanted them to do. And then, and then he talked about being powerless over his feelings. And I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Because there's, there's, there's been some, some times recently when I've been struggling with feelings, whether fear, anger or whatever, that I've really been powerless. Like these feelings come mm-hmm. and, like no I don't want this go away and they they don't go away <laughs> mm-hmm. and and I shared about finding that for me when I'm powerless over anything whether it's a person an activity an action a feeling that what most often helps me is to first accept that it is you know accept that my kids don't do what I think they ought to do except that I'm fearful about money except that um, you know whatever's going on except that my loved one is an alcoholic and behaves alcoholically even when she's not drinking mm-hmm. <laughs> except that my mother is old and ill and you know will die and then I can hand it over and and somehow I'm not I'm not able to Really hand things over until I accept them um, so it was a, it it yeah. was it was a good it was a really good meeting for me to uh to hear what a lot of people had to say about different aspects of powerlessness and you know my life outside of meetings, which you know is most of my life i guess um work has been really really, really intense the last couple of weeks um as we're trying to get a lot of stuff done, and and we've got some critical things coming up in the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to be taking a week off. Yay! Um, at least one of the things I've learned here is is how to take vacation mm. um, to really leave work at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, my work is very intellectual; it's very easy to bring it home. And you know, I've learned that I've learned how to leave work at work most of the time. And that's a real blessing to how to take a vacation and not think about it for a week. It's amazing. But, um, there are things that have to get done before the end of the year. And so, uh, I'm working a little extra hard to make sure that, that I don't have to bring work home when I'm want to be enjoying the holiday with my family.
0: Well, on that note. <laughs> so how are you doing, Linda? <laughs> I've been running around like a maniac thinking i got to get everything done, everything done, everything done so I can relax for the holidays. Um, I have been uh, dealing with some health issues of late and that have – and I'm working with a nutritionist and I have been told <laughs> – it's amusing. It's like I'm a perfect Al-Anon. Perfect. Because she said, Linda, you are a doer. And you need to rest. You Mm. can't keep going like this and you can't use caffeine (laughs) to get through. You've been pushing through a condition pretty much for a long time. And, um, you know, the medical complaints I had are now coming together. And, uh, I mean, my understanding of them and what I'm dealing with is having to slow down, eat better, take care of myself in ways that I never have. Um, and it's, it's peeling the onion away for me and my awareness of just how much stress I put on myself. I will be in the middle of six things and I think, well, I better call call this person because, I mean, something random out of the blue I'll add to the wagon. And I'll actually, this week, I've stopped in my tracks and thought, now, why did I just add that right now, today, now? When I'm already like overburdened, I could do that another day. So I'm kind of just noticing what I do. I tend to multitask myself to death um, and I've also noticed that um, you know, the waking moments in the morning and the night that are difficult um, I'm working on on uh, having control over my own thoughts and part of that is turning over some of my negative habits and saying God help me with, with these tendencies of mine and I've actually had some progress um, on another note um, I'm Today I was recalling uh it's just it's just so subtle you know I don't think of it definitely coming from the program but I know it was inspired by the just for today bookmark. Mm. you know those mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the which if if you take the time to reread no matter how many years you've been in program it's so perfect about just for today you know be nice uh dress becomingly I love that one dress becomingly try not to criticize anyone um, and do something to improve your mind. Simple. It's like a simple recipe for a good day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was, um, because of the health issues, my thinking would get negative and cranky. And I was really dragging my boyfriend through it last night on the phone. And, and, you know, I really wanted to pick on some stuff he said last weekend. Um, you know, when I see him next. And, uh, today I had this just wave of the whole just for today thing and thought, you know, he's such a great guy and he's been so great. Do I need to load this up right now? do can I just like moderate or maybe even let go? Maybe I could just dress becomingly and be nice <laughs> <laughs> and uh and suddenly, I was nice, and I am nice and uh um, I'm really grateful for moments like that that make me just like drop drop the ball for a minute. It's really okay. And there's plenty of time. And I even knew in that moment, there's plenty of time to go back to this if it's still haunting me. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe I'm just, you know, stressed out for other reasons. The other thing that actually just has been really prevalent for me this week is appreciation.
2: Hmm.
0: When I've gone to a meeting, it's been just soaking in, gee, I really feel connected to these people. I'm so grateful they're here. I'm so grateful for where I live and the people I've met. And uh, my daughter who I just was going crazy over and pulling my hair out all of last year till this fall. I'm just grateful for her presence and where she is right now in her life. And the the lack of me feeling that obsession, the, the you know, the lack of the obsession right. is what I'm feeling freedom from. So yeah. I'm just really grateful for my life is full of abundance this week and generally right now.
1: All right. Well, thank you. And, um, so next week, um, I'm going to talk about communication. Um, I kind of felt like I'm going to have family around and I have trouble communicating with my family sometimes. Uh, you know, I have sort of ritualized ways of communicating with my family of origin. And so it's, it's a good thing for me to think about. And uh, we'll welcome your thoughts. You can join the conversation, leave us a voicemail, or send us an email with your experience or your questions about uh, communication and how maybe you've changed the way you communicate uh, from being in the program or maybe the ways in which you used to um, communicate um, unhealthily. Those are also fun to hear. Mm -hmm. Uh, Linda, how can people send us feedback?
0: You can call and leave us a voicemail. At 734 That's 734 Call right now.
1: If you want, leave if you a want, voicemail.
0: You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com we'd love to hear from you so share your experience strength and hope or your questions about today's topic of step 12 or next week's topic of communication if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about let us know
1: and uh, yeah and and you can find out all about uh, the recovery show uh, at our website which is therecoveryshow.com it's very simple therecoveryshow.com there's no you know spaces or hyphens or anything in there except the dot-com part. And that has all the information about the show, including some notes for each episode and a blog with uh, meditations that are posted periodically, uh, links to the music that we play on the show, and links to some other recovery podcasts and recovery websites that we like. And there are many ways to contribute to our content. Uh, You can, um, you know, as we said, uh, call voicemail or email, or you can leave comments right there on the website. Uh, you can suggest a topic we have a list of of uh topics that uh uh you know I dug in there tonight to find uh communication yeah, okay, communication sounds good uh but uh you know if you have a topic you want us to talk about uh let us know and uh because uh we'd rather talk about things you want to hear uh so uh also um since I'm not doing so good about getting meditations up there on a regular basis uh You know, we'd love to uh, have your contribution, uh, contribute a guest meditation. Just go look and see uh, some of the ones that we've got there and, uh, and uh, you know, send it to us. Um, We'll probably put it right up. So uh, just, uh, you know, head on over to com and uh, enter the conversation. We have some listener emails that we're going to look at. But first, we'll listen to the song, Where Are We Now? by David Bowie. This is a fairly new release. It's a mature Bowie, not the young glam Bowie. And when I heard this song, it took me a few times to kind of get into it, but I get the feeling of a man who's sort of looking at his life. He's looking at the things that he does that that um, maybe the people that he knows don't really know that that he does these things. And he's also um, wondering maybe where he has come to and where he is, and maybe it's a new place. And I feel like when I came through the program and – You know, when I got to step twelve, and I looked around, I looked around at what I did, and said, "Where am I now?" You know, this is a new place. This is not a place that 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 I am familiar with. Um, And the the chorus uh, of the song says, "Where are we now?" The moment you know, you know, you know. The moment you know, you know, you know. I Mm -hmm. guess that's how it goes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's listen. Had to get the train.
2: From parts to flats You never knew
1: that That I could do that Just walking the dead
2: Sitting in the jungle Remember the stars, a man lost in
0: time near Cardiff
2: just walking the dead Where are we now?
1: So we got uh, a few emails this week. Uh, Let's start with this one from a short one from Jean-Ann. She said, so you know, I'm working my way through your podcasts. Yesterday, I listened to the one on step two. You talked about your struggle with the God concept. Immediately after listening to the podcast, I listened to a recording of Handel's Messiah. That music can almost make you a believer. It was an interesting juxtaposition. Hmm. Uh, You want to read Julia's uh, email?
0: Sure. Um, Julia wrote to us after we read her story in our last episode. Thanks, Spencer, for reading my share on your anniversary podcast. And congratulations on the show's first birthday. It's so strange to hear my words said back to me. I truly value what I hear from others and from you in each episode. You mentioned being open to music suggestions. I don't know if you've used this one because I haven't listened to every single episode yet, But Frank Turner's recovery is so appropriate from the view of someone who is battling addiction. But I can see it from the perspective of someone in any recovery program, like those of us addicted to people. The chorus lyrics are, It's a long road up to recovery from here, a long way back to the light. A long road up to recovery from here, a long way to making it right.
1: And... And thanks, uh, Julia for the suggestion. I, I have heard that song. I, I think I heard the song first on the podcast, All Songs Considered, which, by the way, is a wonderful source of new music. I've, I, a couple of the songs that, uh, I played here to, we're playing here today. I, I heard on that, uh, that show first. And I immediately was like, oh my God, this is an awesome song. We have to figure out how to use it somewhere. I don't think we've used it yet. I also, uh, passed it on to, uh, Mark at the Recovered Cast dot uh, com, and I'm not sure whether he's used it either. But it is it is a great song, and uh, you know the video is fun too. So yeah, yeah, you, you ought to check that out, um, and we'll play it sometime. Um, Emily, uh, who's also we read her story last week, she says I listened on my commute this morning, and it was so weird to hear my story read by someone else. I found myself wanting to interject, explain, clarify. I have a lot more I work to do. <laughs> Your story, Spencer, was in so many ways a mirror of mine. I, too, am married to an alcoholic, and I came into the program thinking I had two choices, divorce or to remain miserable. Neither of those seemed to be viable choices in my opinion. I learned there was another option to stay in the marriage for today and work the program. Interesting how complex our lives are. I could tell my story in about 15 different ways, and that is just today. The way I presented it in my submission was really the core of the deal, though. I love my husband and do not want to leave, but, man, it is tough some days. Time will tell how my story will unfold from here, but it is so nice to know I am not alone. Sometimes I feel very alone, especially when my loved one is in the chaos of his choices, and that chaos makes it very difficult for me to maintain my serenity. That happens to be the case right now. With gratitude, Emily. Mm. And, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you, Emily. And, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that we can, uh, you know, touch your life each week as we do this. And uh, thank you so much for uh, contributing, sharing your experience, Strength and Hope, because I i know that you have touched other people through sharing your own story. <laughs> um, we did get our first uh, negative iTunes re- t- review recently. You can go read it on iTunes if you want. Uh, but basically it said, get a life. <laughs>
2: um,
1: okay.
0: In contrast, <laughs> Allison <laughs> said, don't know what I'd do without it. Five stars. This podcast is irreplaceable in my recovery. I am seven months into Al-Anon and working the steps. I try to attend at least two meetings and meet with my sponsor each week. But when I can't make a meeting or feel lost, hopeless, and alone, being able to listen to this podcast has saved me. I get so much out of every episode. Thank you so much for your work, Spencer. And Kelly and Switha, you are missed.
1: Yes, I do miss them. The iTunes and reviews and ratings do make us easier to find by those who are in need and are seeking recovery. If you're concerned about your anonymity, you can give us a rating without writing a review, and, and iTunes doesn't show your identity when you do that. Um, our sister podcast, Recovered or Recovered Cast at recoveredcast.com, uh, recently posted an episode about Serenity, which I really liked. Um, I felt like they really nailed the topic there and, and go listen to it. Um, we do have a link to Recovered um, in the right hand. Uh, sidebar on the website at therecoveryshow.com or you can go straight to recoveredcast.com. It was, I think it was like last week at the time I'm recording this, so it, you shouldn't have to go back too far to find it. And uh, you can listen live as we're recording, although our schedule's been a little irregular lately, so it's it's hard to know when it, exactly it's going to happen sometimes. I, I'm sorry about that, but that's, you know, life right now. Uh, hopefully it'll get a little better once we're past the holidays and all that craziness. But just you can click on the listen live link at the top of the page. And while you're listening, you can interact with us and other listeners in the chat room. Uh, to get there to the chat room, you just click on the little speech bubble at the bottom ed- edge of the player. It uh, doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show. We do have expenses, they run about $50 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. Uh, one, we have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Diane and Becky did. And thank you so much, Diane and Becky, this, this week. And we've put together a list of recovery related books. You can click on the books link at the top of the page. And if you order one of these books at the, at, from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. Uh, in fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of the links will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening to us. We are here for you. I want to close the show with a a somewhat irreverent song called Follow Your Arrow by Casey Musgraves. It um to me this speaks of the freedom to be the person I really am as I become more awake spiritually. Um and it's I just it's fun. Um and there's a lot of examples of it's sort of no matter what you do, somebody's going to criticize you, so do what you want. And the chorus is just follow your arrow wherever it points. Yeah, follow your arrow wherever it points. And, you know, more often these days, my arrow points in the direction that the uh, program leads it. If you-